we have to have an extra line of defense around uh, Kamala Harris as vice president. History was made last year when Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden selected my friend and California's junior senator Kamala Harris to be his vice presidential running mate. Women and men all over this country celebrated this historic selection. The first African-American and Asian-American to be selected for a spot on the national political ticket. That is the first African-American woman and Asian-American woman. However, since the announcement, Senator Harris has faced a barrage of sexist and racist attacks from not just self-identified white supremacists, right-wing pundits, Twitter trolls, but she has been attacked from the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. He has called her mean, nasty, unqualified, and he's even revived the heinous racist birther attack he used against President Obama to challenge her U.S. citizenship and constitutional right to run for vice president. But see, attacking females running for office and office holders isn't new, and it's not exclusive to Donald Trump. Women, and particularly African-American women, have had to overcome incredible odds and vicious attacks to become the political powerhouses that we see serving in all branches of government. These women are going to have an oversized role in November's presidential election. But how will they navigate the landmines and vicious attacks to assert their influence in the November elections? Let's discuss. My first guest is California Congresswoman Karen Bass. She is the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus and was one of four African-American female leaders on Joe Biden's shortlist for vice president. She has been breaking barriers since she became, began her journey in politics. In 2008, she was elected to serve as the 67th speaker of the California State Assembly, becoming the first African-American woman in the United States to serve as a speaker of a state legislative body. Welcome, Congresswoman Bass. I'm so excited to sit down with you. So much is happening in the country and your voice is so critical at this time. Uh, first, I wanna congratulate you. So many accomplishments this year from leading the charge on the George Floyd police reform bill to being on that short list for VP. Uh, and I don't think people recognize how important it is that you as a Congresswoman was on that list. Uh, Joe Biden told us four African-American women were at the top of that list. And typically when we think of people on the VP list, they're senators, uh, maybe governors, but not typically people uh, you know, like yourself who sit in our US Congress. So tell us what was it like to be a part of that exclusive, exclusive club? <laughs> well, first of all, it is great to be on Ariva. great to be with you. And I so admire all of the work that you do in the media, but also in the community, taking care of our kids. So thanks a lot for having me on. And let me just tell you what a whirlwind, what a year. This is a year that we will never forget for so many reasons in our life. But uh, I will tell you, it was a tremendous honor to have been considered and to have been with the other women, especially the African-American women who absolutely every single one is, was outstanding. And so I'm just very proud of the vice president, soon to be president, and very excited about our ticket. 
Uh, I think Biden-Harris has been electric from the minute it was announced. And uh, I know that this week, it's just so sad, though. I mean, it's just going to be such an adjustment for all of us to make having a convention virtually. But just like their rollout, I'm sure the convention speeches, the headlines for the evening will be very, very exciting. Well, you tweeted this really beautiful picture of you and our California Senator Harris, hopefully soon to be VP Harris. And I was just touched looking at it because I know in this whole lead up to who Joe Biden would pick, there was a lot of, you know, gut punches. There was a lot of Apple research that was dropped. But what I, I love about you and I've always loved about you and I've you know watched your career here in California just you know explode is that you are always you know, you're a peacemaker, you're, you're a team player, obviously an incredible leader. So I don't want to take anything away from your leadership skills, but at a time when this country needs to be united, I, I just love that you are, you know, standing out as a voice to unite, not just African-American women around this ticket, but people from all walks of life. Uh, and I think that's so important right now. And uh, thank you, I guess, you know, just thank you for doing that because it, it's so important. But I wanted to talk with you about the, the attacks. We saw so many vicious attacks, not just on uh, Senator Harris, but also on you. Uh, you know, Harris was was called too ambitious, but then there was this attack against you that really bothered me. And, and it was this attack that you were somehow too compliant, that, that you were too likable. And we know in this era of... Um, so, I mean, when, when you heard that, what did you think, knowing all that you've accomplished? Well, well actually, that's a new one to me. I hadn't heard the too likable. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, politics is a rough sport. I think any of us that are involved in this know that and know what is going to come our way. Um, and so I think that we're all prepared for that. But you can't really get involved politically and be thin skinned. I think it's very important. You understand where the attacks are coming from. You understand why they're being lodged. You hold your head up and you move forward. But, you know, Ariva, one of the things that um, you might have been making reference to is the attempts to get us as black women to conflict with each other. And that was just 100% unacceptable. Uh, we talked to each other, we know each other, and we were not going to allow that to happen. Um, and so I think that might've been to the disappointment of some, but now what is important is, is that we rally behind Biden and Harris, and we especially look out for Harris because you know the attacks were coming within minutes. And I think it's very important that we respond every time we see those attacks, we respond through social media or through some kind of way because lesson learned from 2016 is that sometimes those attacks were ignored and didn't really realize how they would take a life of its own. So I think it's important that all of us embrace our ticket as a whole, but we have to have an extra line of defense around uh, Kamala Harris as vice president nominee and soon to be vice president in the next, what, maybe three or four months. Can't wait. I mean, 80 plus days to the election and then we'll have a couple of months after that. But we're going to have to surround her and not just through the election. We're going to have to surround her while she's in that office, too. I mean, we have had three and a half years of a racist in chief 
who has done everything he can to tear this country apart. And it's going to take a lot to bring it back together. And so we're going to have to be protective of uh, both Biden and Harris, but with spe- but with special emphasis on uh, Kamala Harris, because we know what's coming her way race-wise. We know what's coming her way gender-wise. Yeah, and Congresswoman Bass, we've already seen it, right? As you said, just minutes after the announcement, we've seen the attacks coming from, uh, you know, uh, right-leaning publications and blogs and pundits, and, and even from Donald Trump himself, you know, calling her nasty, calling her mean. Uh, you know, now the whole birther, uh, you know, p- uh, right out of his playbook with President Obama, now challenging her her constitutional right to even run for VP, suggesting that somehow she's not a, a U.S. A citizen. And I, I was really taken aback, I was not surprised by Donald Trump, because as you just said, we he is the racist in chief. Right. And we've seen these attacks before. But Jared Kushner, who, you know, tries to portray this, this more, uh, you know, sensible, uh, you know, uh, advisor role to Trump would not acknowledge nor apologize when asked by uh, a CNN anchor about that birther attack on, on Kamala Harris. So I think you're right. We're going to have to be so protective of her, not just during this election, but also once she's in office. A bit before you move on, uh, but, you know, there there's the attacks that are going to come from the right. But I am equally concerned about attacks coming from And I'm not going to say they're coming from our community because I don't know where they're coming from, but attacks against her that raise questions about whether or not black people and especially young black people should be excited by her. You know that we're going to have to have a whole separate strategy for that. We expect the racist attacks. But, you know, one thing that we weren't aware of in 2016 that we know now is the Russian influence, the foreign influence that was targeting African-Americans and young African-Americans to dissuade them from participating in the election. And I know that that's going to happen again. That's going to be directed at Biden because of the crime bill. That's going to be directed at Harris because of her work as a prosecutor. And I think that we need to be prepared for that as well. The racist stuff, we know what to do with. But the other stuff, I think, requires a different strategy, and we're going to have to be very aggressive and proactive in that regard. You're absolutely right, uh, Congresswoman Bass. I had a young activist on my show last week, and she's been organizing on college campuses. She was in Michigan, and she's actually a Howard University student. So although she was super excited about Kamala Harris because she's a bison uh, like Senator Harris is, she said that while organizing on these college campuses, she wasn't hearing from the students the level of enthusiasm, the level of support, and in fact said that, you know, half, about 50% of the students that she was talking to, uh, you know, rejected Harris as a candidate. And so you're absolutely right. There is still this, you know, misinformation campaign that was waged against her when she ran for president that distorted her prosecutorial record and that, you know, distorted her record when she was serving uh, in California as the attorney general. And we've got a lot of work to do to correct that misinformation that's out there and to get people to focus on the here and now, which is getting the most dangerous president ever in our history out of the White House and the need to come together around that. And I am a little encouraged though, because I'm seeing some young activists who were a big Bernie Sanders supporters who are coming forward. Uh, There was a op-ed piece in the LA Times by Erica Smith. She's a millennial voter who said she wasn't in favor of Harris until Mm -hmm. she considered the alternative to Harris, which is Donald Trump. 
Right. So I think we're making some progress, but you're right. There's a lot of work to be done. And I want to just ask you about this double standard. We see it so often in elections, you know, where women are attacked if they're too ambitious. They're attacked if they're not ambitious enough. And we don't see those same kinds of attacks being, you know, launched against male candidates. How have you fought against that, uh, given the tremendous roles uh, that you play once even in electoral politics? I want to note that you were the first you know, uh, African-American woman ever in this country to lead a, a state, a legislative state house. And that had to come with tremendous responsibilities as well as I'm sure attacks. Well, you know, for me, I have always, no matter what I have done, I've always just kept my eyes on the prize. Uh, and the prize is what can I do on behalf of my community? So whether it's improving the foster care system, dealing with criminal justice, looking at uh, improving U.S. relations in Africa, all of the issues I've worked on, I stay focused on the issues and I, I don't worry about the attacks, the criticism uh, that comes with the job. You know, you just can't. You can't allow that. Those are distractions. Those try to take you off track. But if you're very clear about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and who you are, then I think you can power through it. So talking about powering through, I, I want to talk about your friend, your leader, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, she said she's going to call you guys back from your recess to address this looming issue with our United States Postal Service. I just want to get your take on that. I don't know if we can emphasize how big of a problem uh, what's happening with the Postal Service is and, and what it may mean in terms of voter suppression in this upcoming election. Can you give us some context of, of what the magnitude of this issue is? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we need to look at it. This is the act or the attempted act of a very desperate man who knows he is losing, who has no clue how to deal with the pandemic or the economy. And so he is gonna resort to desperate tactics to win reelection. This is the kind of thing you see in other countries that the United States always holds our head high like we're so above the corruption and the election stealing that happens around the world. Well, this is exactly what we're witnessing right here at home where he is going to cut back resources on the post office so the mail can't be delivered, so your votes won't be counted. So what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to tell everybody you have to vote very, very early. I mean, some of the ballots for the November election come out as early as the end of September. And we need to vote the second we get that ballot because if it takes five, 10 days to get back because they cut back on the technology and the staffing, then we need to make sure that we out-organize their suppression. But it's not just about voting, it's about medications. Thousands and thousands of people get their medications through the mail. It's about employing veterans. The post office is the number one employer for veterans in the United States. And then African-Americans, we don't need to talk about our history with the post office. I'm sitting here talking to you today because my father was a postal worker for 37 years. And so I think that the Postal Service has been vital, but there have been efforts to sabotage and privatize the post office for many years. And I think this is the act of a desperate man attempting to move the privatization agenda along and win re-election, or rather I should say, steal re-election. Yeah, 
Uh, and, and I'm so grateful uh, that uh, Speaker Pelosi, uh, you know, had the foresight to bring Congress back into session to uh, address this issue. Because when you look at what's going on on social media, you're seeing those veterans that you talked about. You're seeing elderly people. You're seeing people with illnesses, uh, you know, post about how they're not getting their medication, how they're not getting, you know, right. vital mail uh, that's critical to their lives. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, Congresswoman Bass, when you all are back in this emergency session, any chances of making any progress on the HEROES Act? You know, millions of Americans are waiting right. for additional stimulus dollars, additional unemployment benefits. Uh, and so far, it looks like those negotiations have stalled. So any hope? You know, there there is always hope. But I will tell you, just because I think it's important to remember the House passed the HEROES Act almost three months ago. So it has been sitting languishing in the Senate for almost three solid months. And essentially what the Senate did, didn't even wanna discuss it until unemployment benefits were on the verge of running out. And now they have run out. And the idea that they are quibbling over the $600 a week payment to people while at the same time, Steve Mnuchin is in charge of half a trillion dollars to be doled out to major corporations. Now, granted, I don't want to see the airlines fold or the hotels fold, but he didn't even want to tell people where the money was going. And it's a question of the accountability. So you're talking half a trillion dollars, $600 a week. The notion that $600 a week is so much money, and that will dissuade people from going back to work. It's really galling. And I know so many people, I've talked to so many people on my show who literally said they, they can't pay their bills. You know, they, they may, they're facing eviction uh, because of the, the cutoff in those benefits. So uh, we remain hopeful. I, I just want to ask you about Michelle Obama. She's going to headline the convention tonight. Uh, we know, you know, one of the most popular first ladies ever and remains, you know, one of the most popular figures in the Democratic Party. What do you think it's going to mean having Michelle Obama on Monday night and Kamala Harris on, on Wednesday night at the convention? Although, you know, we won't be packed into that stadium like we were in 2016, but still, you know, such a significant time in our history to have two powerful African-American women on the stage. Oh, I think it is just going to be so exciting, exciting, historic, Oh, my goodness. I mean, I can't wait, even though we're doing it virtually and I'll be sitting in my living room instead of in that big stadium, feeling all of the electricity around it. It'll still be very, very exciting. And knowing that she's going to be on the trail is just, you know, just amazing. Well, before I let you go, Congresswoman Bass, I have to ask you, so many big things happening for you this year. Uh, will you be ending this year, perhaps, uh, considering uh, a position as Secretary Bass or maybe <laughs> even California Senator Bass? <laughs> not the next job for Congresswoman Bass? Ariva, I'm going to keep doing my work, plowing ahead, and we will see what happens. Well, I can see you in either of those positions leading this country as you have done uh, so incredibly well for you know over two decades now. And again, thank you so much for sitting down with me and thank you for your leadership on these important issues. At a time like this, female leaders like you are play an oversized role in what's happening in this country. And I'm so proud to say you're a Californian. Oh. I'm so proud to say you are my Congresswoman and most importantly, you're my friend. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely, that's the most important one. 
There is my big interview today with Congresswoman Karen Bass. Uh, can't thank her enough for all that she has done to pave the way and lead the way around women in government. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Special Report. Please take a moment to share, subscribe, and rate this podcast. I always want to hear your thoughts. You can share your comments with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn by following at Ariva Martin. Thanks and be safe out there.